Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chalbello Veracruz. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen, yeah. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. And before we start this PWR podcast that actually should have happened last week, but we had some technical difficulties, we had some Biden difficulties, we had some TJ Hooker and Hunter difficulties, but we'll get into that in a couple of seconds. You know how I do my spiel, Reflection Nights and Magnificent Seven members, but I just want to give a quick shout out. I hope she is listening to this because she does a lot for the PWR podcast and, uh, I was on the Twitters and, and I kept reading some hardships and, you know, we are part of the Big Vito brand and I just want to give a quick shout out to Noelle LaGracio herself who actually helps us with the PWR podcast. She puts it up on the Big Vito brand, she puts up on Anchor, she puts up on Twitch for us, so I want to shout her out. She's going through some, you know, tough times right now. Uh, I don't I don't remember what the exact thing was, uh, spinal Distillation or something like that. So Big Vito wanted to send some prayers to her. So we here at the PWR Podcast are sending our love and our prayers to Noelle Legracio herself. You know, get better. I know she's in. She's on bed rest, 
And, you know, probably will be a little bit of a delay getting this episode on the Twitches on the Big Vito brand, but that's not even the big issue here. The big issue is, Noel, you get better. We just want you 100% so you can be running, frolicking, doing what you doing some nasty things to Big Vito in the bedroom. So everything is okay. So, Noel, it's not about editing the show for us right now. We want you to get better. So, you know, TW, I know you always shout her out when you do all, you know, the outros and stuff. I, I, I didn't even know she was going through it. I feel terrible. I, I hope she feels better. And I hope you saying what you just said about the bedrooms, like you got them going on tour. I hope that didn't make her laugh and hurt something laughing, but I hope it did make her laugh. So, yeah. Laughter is the best medicine, and I Absolutely. know that. that Absolutely. So, Noel. Yeah, she's a saint. She, she is a saint. She shares our show more than you and I do. Yeah, and that's a good thing. She, she <laughs> no. is a reflectionite, so I just want right. to give our love and prayers to Noel LaGracio. Yeah, absolutely. So, and now, now, reflectionites, what is going on there? Magnificent 7 Elite 8, Naughty 9, Terrific 10, Essential 11. What's going on to Philip Scott Wood? What's going on to Donna Destruction? Denver Broncos fan Donna Destruction. You know, you got me last, last time. You know, I was just bullshitting you know that it was a week week or so ago you know the denver broncos against the dallas cowboys i just said dallas is gonna win and he said no way professor I'm not the, yeah they smoked him i'm not the professor of football mind you <laughs> i'm the professor of professional wrestling if i was the professor of football it's i wouldn't be doing dms shut up i would be doing football podcasts i would be betting you know i'd be doing the gamblers podcast i'd be telling you the spreads I be, you know, I be making you millionaires. That's not. Well, you know, that's for the Spread, ladies. Spreading the DMs. No, no, the girls were spreading the DMs. But anyway, neither here nor there. But like I said, I'm the professor of wrestling, not football, not baseball. I am a sports fanatic. Yes, I am. But I'm not a, you know, I, I can't be the professor of those sports. But I am the professor of this particular sport: sports entertainment, professional wrestling, whatever you want to call it. But I am that man. I am the most magnanimous one. I am the most scholarly one. But most importantly, I am the most glorious one on this podcast punditry. I am the only objective man in this podcast punditry. Your friend and mine, the Professor Chabella Cruz, welcoming you to the PWR podcast. Here at the PWS Networks at Podbean.com. Also on the Pro Wrestling Coalition at Podbean.com. Of course, the Big Vito brand and all Podbean streams out there. But I'm not here alone. The man laughing, you know, saying all these tasteless jokes against the professor. He's wearing the Bulldog shirt right now. He is your friend of mine. The conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, the man with the iron stomach. He is your friend and mine. Mr. Wonderful Tommy Strong, the... Tommy Wonder, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, this is the Ferris State Bulldogs, or my BFF Magoo, who is mm-hmm. Megan Buckin. She, her first year in college, her team just won the GL Conference, Great Lakes something conference for Division II soccer and NCAA, like the Big Ten for Michigan. That's their version. Mm-hmm. They just won the championship, beating Grand Valley State, who hadn't lost in seven years running. Last year, they didn't have one because of covid but their seven-year run was brought to an end by these guys, Fair State Bulldogs, and this guy was there. Strange, Strange, yeah, yeah. All right. And and we froze. Me and my oldest daughter Bella went with my buddy Stacy, one half of the Dum Dum Duo. Uh, it's her daughter Megan. Uh, 
Uh, we, she's my BFF because when I told her she was my homie, I can't be her homie because Matt is her homie, so I'm a BFF. Okay. Anyway, I am so glad to know that you are not you that you're not only my friend, but you're also your friend. That was the funniest thing you've ever said in your life, by the way. <laughs> and that's why I was like, your friend and mine, the professor. I'm like, that's taking third person to a new level right there. Of course. Um, it reminds me of a movie I just, I let the Wonder Twins watch it with me last night, and if JB actually listens to our show, I want him to review this movie. I saw this movie two years ago in the theater, without knowing anything about it, the girl I was seeing at the time, uh, we're still friendly, Billy, she's got married, because I am good luck Chuck, um, her and I went to this movie, and she said, oh, it's about a phone app, blah, 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 I knew nothing about it, it is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life, a week after we saw it, it was pulled from the theaters, uh, I can only assume because it's as crude as they come. This makes Porky's look PG. It's called Jexy. And I yeah. bought it and I got a digital copy of it. And I was like, you know, there's one part where I have to warn the Wonder Twins to look away. because it's, it's a dick pic. And I said, when he goes back to work, look away. And they did. But it is a funny movie. And what it is, is Jexy is like Siri or Alexa. Mm-hmm. But it's a third version. Like Siri, they mentioned Siri in the movie, not Alexa, but then Jexy. But what it is, it's it's a phone AI that thinks it's real. And it's I'm telling you, if you just want to laugh and just for 85 minutes, just forget about all the nonsense going on in the world. Like that video you, I don't know why you decided I needed to watch a video of that guy talking to Cody Rhodes who blocked him. I swear it was Grady from Sanford and Son. And I I can't understand this guy would make videos himself with that hairline. But if you want to escape people like that, and you want to escape politics, and you want to escape COVID, and you want to escape... Watch the movie Jexy. And, and, and Reflection Nights, if you do watch it, please talk about it on the page. Please let me know you watch. And if you hate it and you're mad at me for it, let me know that too. But I'm telling you, it was funnier last night seeing it for the first time in two years than it was the first time I saw it. And that's saying something because I saw it the first time without knowing anything about it. So there wasn't a joke ruined from a preview. None of that. I just saw it and then it made me laugh. And last night was even funnier. I I got a better idea here because this is the ultimate revenge. Reflection Nights. If you watch the movie Jexy, do not post it on the Facebook fan page. Do me this favor. Slide the dick pic <laughs> to TW on oh. his Facebook messenger to acknowledge that you watch Jexy. And then if he gets dick pic after dick pic after dick pic, you know, TW, you, you know, it, it all makes sense now. It. it all makes sense now. I, I probably shouldn't let people behind the fourth wall here, but you said to me before we started recording, hey, man, if you start getting a rash of, of unsolicited pictures into your Facebook Messenger, will you please forward them to me? Now I understand why you said that. You didn't want to ask them to send them directly to you. You you didn't want to be, you want to be guilty by association and have me forward. So I, I will doing, do that for you. I'm doing you the favor here because you want people <laughs> to know that they watch this movie off of your suggestion. Hey, I, I'll tell you what. If they don't like it, I dare them to do that. Go ahead, because you know what? You're going to like it. You're going to like it. You know. And if and if you do like it, it's only fair that you then, instead of sending me pictures that you want me to forward to the presser, send me pictures of your mom. That's it. That Not your mom, but their mom, you know, respectively. Was there a hot mom in Jexy? <laughs> Dude, the, the voice of Jexy is Rose Byrne. I would, I would consider her a hot mom. Oh, okay, but is she naked? Rose Byrne, um, Emily Blunt. 
and mm-hmm. Katy Perry have never been seen in the same room together because they're the same person. Okay. <laughs> they're the same person. One has a British accent, one has a regular accent, and one of them's an idiot who sings. That that is what the Illuminati is about all about. That's they're right. all the same person doing their Multiplicity. job. Multiplicity. Multiplicity is real, damn it. Yeah, of course it is. That's why they that's what they get you. That's why the, the government gets you with all this stuff. There's three of the professors in all co- Corner of the world. All getting slid in the DMs by dudes, though. All of them. No, They're no. consistent. Females. Females. <laughs> but anyway, since the part of the movie uh, uh, reactions that we... I didn't even know we were doing a movie reaction podcast right now. But now, <laughs> let's do what we do best. Go into the time machines of professional wrestling. And you know what? Reflectionize. I have to be honest with you. TW was a little bit mad at me, but because I think I ran out of gas. And then, you know, it, it's hit onto 1985. And we stumbled onto this uh, organization, but you know what? The show sucked. I'm going to be real with the reflection. The show sucked, but there's a reason for this organization because it has credence in the history, TW. It has credence to the legacy of certain people in professional wrestling. We're going to talk about ICW, International Championship Wrestling. It was, you know, Jim Cornette put out this term on his podcast, and he always called you know, he calls AEW, he calls garbage wrestling outlaw mud dog show wrestling, TW. You've heard that term from Jim Cornette. But ICW, International Championship Wrestling, that was started in 1978 by Angelo Pafo, was the first well-known outlaw wrestling promotion. And the reason it was the first and Probably, well, I can't say the only outlaw promotion. Maybe T.W. might, you know, clarify that in his Midwest Detroit days of wrestling. But it was the the most famous, infamous outlaw wrestling promotion, T.W. You know why? Because it broke all the rules of the handshake agreements with all promoters that were involved in the bubble or the umbrella, if you will, of the National Wrestling Alliance. So what does that mean, Reflectionites? They did a show where Jerry Lawler was performing in Memphis, Tennessee. ICW invaded Memphis. What does that mean? They invaded, like, maybe Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and invaded the AWA, even though they had no agreement with the NWA. But you get what I'm saying, TW. They went to places that they weren't supposed to go to in the territories. Mind you, they I think... They the forbidden door. Well, they busted it down. They, they wanted to do that, but... I'll talk about the identity of the ICW and what it what their mission statement you could say was about. But TW, I mean, this is literally the first real outlaw wrestling promotion and and doing that. I mean, you know, when you go to when you invade in somebody else's back door, you know, the fans backyard. can't backyard, back door. Well, <laughs> think about them DMs. See, you get it. <laughs> Shut up. But anyway. <laughs> Children, if there's any reflection night children out there, please cover your ears because TW is having a foul mouth today. I said yard. You said door. Shut up. Okay. Anyway, TW, I mean, being the professional wrestler that you are, I know you're a man of your word. You're a man of honor. You, you know, handshake agreements. But you know what? You're also a businessman. So ICW doing what they did, let's say in Memphis, Tennessee, invading Jerry Lawler's territory in Memphis, Tennessee. That puts the fans in a quandary. You know you know what I mean? It's like, do I want to see Jerry Lawler, the king of Memphis, Tennessee, 
Or do I want to see, you know, Lanny Poffo or Randy Savage or Ronnie Garvin, who was in ICW for a time or two, from 1978 to 1984? What say you about that quandary that fans are going through? Okay, Two things. I, I got lots to say about the fan part, but uh, to me, the fans, it's a win-win because mm -hmm. I know as a kid, I was upset that WWE only came once a month to, to Cobo Hall or Joe Louis Arena. So if WCW would have came two weeks later and I could go to WWF one week, two mm -hmm. weeks later go to WCW, and two weeks later go back to WWF, I would have been all for it if I could afford it. You know, what, if, what if it was the same day? That's what I'm saying. That's the question. That's bullshit. That's, yeah, that's, that's, then that's, 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 that's dumb. So, uh, they did mention in this episode that Ronnie Garvin was a champion and they mm -hmm. denounced the NWA and then ended up someone else got the belt either because either Ronnie denounced the NWA because he didn't like. The, yeah, because they said they wouldn't accept challengers from other promotions. That's that's mm -hmm. why that's why Ronnie went there. So that was the story why they brought up the NWA. I want I got to ask you a question, too. Didn't we do a, a Memphis show where they mentioned ICW being down the street or something? And they were, I think, I think we did back in because the mid eighties. It was because, the Flex Cavana? No, 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 no. no that's the 90s. That was ten years later. Yeah, yeah. that's nineties. Let me let me put it in. Let me wrap this up in a in a in a bow. You could say with this particular episode that we'll talk about a little bit here. This is the waning days of ICW now because. <laughs> After all the lawsuits, after all the litigation that Jerry, Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett really went after Angela Poffo. Let's be right. clear here, Reflection Nights. Yeah. After all that and the settlement happened, then ICW was bankrupt. They had, they couldn't, you know, the payroll was already mishmashed and all that. What a shit. weird thing to, to successfully sue for. Yeah. Well, I guess, the, you know. That's whatever. monopoly. If you're, you're suing someone for running a wrestling show in a town like you own it. It's, it's, it's kind of. I don't think you'd win that lawsuit in 2021. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be capitalism. I mean, it's, it's the, right. the consumer is supposed to choose. De definitely shitty to run on the same day. I, I, I would agree with that. Maybe maybe that's something you could sue for because, you know, you're infringing on a market. But there's concerts at the same time in Detroit. Like I, I guess. There, there might not be two country concerts or two rappers, but there'll mm -hmm. be a rapper and a country concert, and the idea is they're two different fan bases. But after but all yeah. the... But after all the financial woes, you could say, T.W., there was some kind of gentleman's agreement between Jerry Lawler's promotion and ICW. Hence why you saw Macho Man and Lanny Poffo always, you know, performing at the Mid-South Coliseum. And during this time, ICW was almost out of, you could say, out of business. They just had to finish up their t TV obligations. That's I'm trying to answer your question here. That, no, no, I just I just thought that we did do a show on Memphis where ICW was referenced because Lawler was talking about going down the street and kicking their ass or something like mm -hmm. that. It was it was I didn't know what it was at the time. Now that actually, I do. Actually, you're so, right. During like Saturday, you know, the Memphis shows on Saturday, Jerry Lawler went off the cuff talking about ICW, off the cuff talking about Angelo Poffo and Macho Man Randy Savage. That is, you know. Doc, well documented. He did not like Angelo Poffo. He did not like ICW for the reasons that you're talking about. That they you know performed. what you know what the potential risk in doing that is is, is you're that? talking to the people who chose you over that show, mm -hmm. and you might talk them into checking them out next month instead. So you right. you know it's like I always say you don't ever see McDonald's throwing Burger King in their commercial, but you'll see a McDonald's rip off in a Burger King commercial. You'll see a Coke can in a Pepsi commercial. You will not see Pepsi and Coke. There's a reason they're number one. But get, get back to your first question. So it's I have my own ICW story, story but it's not that. I, there's a promotion in Michigan called 
mm-hmm. insane championship wrestling. And then I wrestled for championship wrestling federation and also great lakes wrestling, great lakes wrestling was partnership with, with, uh, CWF. And one was up here in Warren. The other one was 45 minutes to an hour away in garden city. Well, insane would run in Lincoln park, but if they could get booked anywhere else, they'd wrestle somewhere else. So really, they're all an hour away from each other, but you, the same fans are at every show, and nobody ran on the same day. If anything, these guys should have ran Friday, Saturday, Sunday together so people would come from further away and go to all three shows and then go back home or whatnot. They didn't mm-hmm. do that. Um, so I was the CWF champion. Um, I was the Great Lakes champion because they had a two out of three falls uh, unification. There's a picture I put of me up on Facebook all the time where I'm holding the Ric Flair big gold belt and the WCW US belt. Those were the belts that they use for these respective promotions as the heavyweight titles, but they modified them to have their letters on there, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so Sweet Daddy Malcolm Monroe, who gave me my first match in the United States back in 1994, he had sex and violence, which was Edge and Joey Legend was a tag team, and they wrestled for ICW, and Manrico wrestled for CWF and Great Lakes. I think I've talked about this before. During our tag matches, fans would chant sex and violence, and I don't know what the hell that meant. I thought they were talking about the Bush song, you know, there's no sex in your violence, right? <laughs> and during ICW shows, during their matches, they would chant Los Rudos, and so Edge and Legend would be like, who the hell is Los Rudos? And we would be like, who the hell is Sex and Violence? And once I found out, I called Malcolm Monroe and said, hey, man, let's make this match happen. Like, it ain't every day that you're wrestling and hearing fans from the other promotion chant that wrestler's name. It was kind of cool the, to me. Get so, the dream match going. So actually, I'm sorry. I wasn't heavyweight champion yet. This is before that. I was still Los Rudos. So I was mm-hmm. tag champs in both places. And we went over there, and they had a tournament because they didn't have champions. And in the first match, me and Rico beat Christian and his partner, Zach Wilde. They were, I forget what they were called, but they were a tag team out of Toronto. So me and Rico beat them. Edge and Legend, Ed, Edge's name was Sexton Hardcastle, they beat the Outlaws, who wrestled with us in CWF or whatever. Once they heard we were going over there, they were like, hey, you want to go over there too, right? So I, I blazed trails, damn it. And then the <laughs> finals was Edge and and legend versus me and Rico to a no contest. So they respected that we were champions, didn't have us lose to their guys if they wanted to be champions. And then we did a return match a month later, which was, uh, I think I've said this before, it was the best match I've ever had. There was no power. D'Lo Brown versus Tex Monroe was the match before me and Rico are looking at each other going, how are we going to top this? Because the place was going nuts. And remember, it's in the dark. There's one light from a generator, and that's it in the hood of Detroit, by the way. And so we hey, ended up going out there. The four of us wrestled each other, and they ended up pinning us. But it was like 30 minutes of us just doing, again, the best match I've ever had ever is, is that match. And, and we lost. It didn't hurt us. It didn't hurt CWF. It didn't hurt glw it made people talk about them made people talk about us and not long after that is when me and rico stopped teaming up as much i became champion or whatever and then when they had me lose my belt to a guy and i wasn't champion no more i called icw and just went and wrestled for them instead i I stopped wrestling for the other ones but for two reasons for one, I was insulted when they took the belt off me. The guy who took over the book, as you call it, said, the first thing I'm going to do is get the heavyweight title off the light heavyweight because that's, that's what he referred to me as as an insult. By the way, a friend, but, mm-hmm. you know, the politics and whatnot. So long story short, 
uh, I left for that. And I also left because I thought it was stupid <clears throat> that as an independent wrestler, you were told you can't wrestle for someone else. I'm like, first of all, most of you sons of bitches are paying us 25 bucks. Sometimes not even that. So if I can wrestle four times a month in Michigan versus two, why wouldn't I? You know what I mean? As long as I show up to your buck, if I show up to your booking, it's not on the same time as their booking. What's the problem? What the problem is? So I did it. And eventually I wrestled for all of them because I wasn't, I was like, you know what? No, there's no contracts. There's no money. I'm just wrestling as often as I can. Inevitably, I started wrestling in Ohio more, still wrestling in Windsor, started wrestling in Indiana sometimes. I got a Kentucky booking. So I'm wrestling to the point where I'm not even around. They ask me if I can wrestle for them. I'm like, I'm already booked in Ohio. I'm already booked in Kentucky because that's the point. You're trying to spread your horizons, right? You're not Mm -hmm. trying to wrestle for this guy. And the term they use for guys up here that don't travel is 10-milers or whatever, 30-milers. They only wrestle within 30 miles of their home. Nobody Mm -hmm. wants – you're never going anywhere if you do that. you got to wrestle somewhere for free. And hope somebody sees you so that someone will bring you back for money. And you're 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 a ten miler. You got a you got a part time job or a full time job in wrestling. Your part time or your weekend. Oh, everybody had a full time job, and if mm-hmm. you didn't, and you you weren't you didn't have gas money to make it to the wrestling show. Right. So, right. but but yeah. So to me, so ICW, I I would say I don't have I. I hate the old way wrestling was run because I, when I broke in was right around the time that stuff was stopping. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. territories were already dead because 94 Vince is already ruined, running the world, but you still had WCW. Uh, I don't, I don't think AWA was still around in 94. Mm-hmm. If they were, they were on life support. But e- ECW was in its ECW, infancy. yeah. But, but you had you had all these other, like you said, outlaws. Now they are outlaws because the NWA doesn't even exist anymore, really. Um, mm-hmm. But they're not outlaws because there's nothing to outlaw against. Right. But, you, you, but you still had guys. Like, I, I do agree with kayfabe. I don't like... That's why I didn't like the wrestler the first time I saw it. I thought it, it just let too many things out. But now, it's one of my favorite sayings in every walk of life you can use it, is you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Now that everybody knows, you can't undo it. So, right. uh, other than children. Like, if people just stop talking about it, and then children thought it was real, and you let them think it was real, like Santa and Easter Bunny, and let them mm-hmm. figure it out on their own when they get older that it's a work, you could do it, but it's it's too late. You know, too many people shit on it. Too many people are too serious about it. Like that I, that dude with the Cody video has to be certifiable. There's there's no way. I just shared it. That, I mean, it's no, not no, like I know, I, but I, I mean yeah. that that guy like as every every he's a strange comment trucker. You can every say single <laughs> comment on that Twitter feed was burying him, and I felt bad for him because I'm like, clearly this dude's not all there. Mm-hmm. And and I like to see the good in everything. And the good to me was this dude loved wrestling, man. Let him love it. It's a little weird. And like that J.D. Vieira put on there because I saw some stuff in the in the thing that this dude was accused of arson. So I'm like, okay, maybe this isn't safe. And that's why Cody blocked him or whatnot. But he is a little out there. But he had a nice place. Like it didn't like he was living in squalor. You know what I mean? But I just thought, dude, is this an actor? Is this dude really nuts? <laughs> I, really, I, I really love the way you, like, put it in perspective. Not the professor's perspective, but right. a perspective. He's an arsonist, but what a nice place. I right. just love the way you just he said He burned that. his own place now. Yes, he did. That's why I'm like. That's, that's nuts. The, the dude has, has a screw loose, and 
he makes wrestling fans look really dumb. And I, I don't even want to be a wrestling fan. By the way, but I, I get what he, you're saying. He is the extreme making wrestling fans look bad. There's yes. plenty of other ones who make wrestling fans look bad without even coming close to doing what he's doing. A- absolutely. But what do you call it? Uh, tribalism. The, yeah. the, to me, the wrestling fan, Sha- uh, Travis Scott, read, just read Shawn Michaels' name on the action figure. Travis got mad at me today because he, he sends a text to myself and our buddy Matt saying, WWE is coming uh, December 5th to Fargo, and I'm not even remotely interested in going. And I responded, raise your hand if you're surprised at Travis's last text. What? Nobody? <laughs> Nobody? And he goes, which one? I go, your passive-aggressive AEW chat or text. He's like, raise your hand if you're surprised that Tom turned my text into AEW. I'm like, it is. It is. You can't talk about AEW enough and how much you love it and everything, and then you still have to tell us, just don't go to the WWE show. I wouldn't even know there'd be one there because I don't live in North Dakota. But mm-hmm. you're telling me there's one there. Oh, by the way, I'm not even remotely interested in going. And I'm like, that's great. But I'm not going to either. I'm not going to WWE show. I'm not going to AEW show. But this tribalism, it it's like Michigan, Michigan State. I, I, I literally chose to cheer for Michigan State when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Because everyone else cheered for Michigan. I was sick of it. And, and, and they're terrible. Like, when you hear them on the radio, especially as an adult, they are so – they're like that dude talking about Cody Rhodes talking about Michigan State. And it's like, it ain't that serious, man. Like, well, how are serious. you that vile? How are you no, that vile? It's like so, the NWA cry. It's real to me, damn it. Right, but right. It is too that, real. That J.D. Vieira, I, I really I, – I dig his passion. I just hate – that everything he posts, if it's not pro AEW, it's anti WWE. So every chance I get, I go, then stop watching. I don't watch it. Then how do you know so much about it? Oh, I read up. No, no, no. You still watch it, and you're trying to make all the other dudes that rip on it feel like you're cool for ripping on it too. You know what? It's funny because now we could talk about ICW in, in this sense, and we'll get into the the organization history in a in a second reflection, guys, but. You talk about tribalism, and we and I talked about how it's outlaw. It was an outlaw promotion. Right. Territories were tribalism. I mean, you could be a right. world class fan, you could be an AWA fan, you could be a WWF fan, an NWA Jim Crock. Well, NWA is a funny one because the tribalism is really secular. You have to either be a Jim Crockett fan, a floor, a championship wrestling from Florida fan, a Barnett St. Louis fan. These are not these are NWA seculars, but they're not the same. But you know, the only thing that's all connected is the NWA heavyweight champion. The board. It's the board. So it's kind of funny, TW, with the tribalism you're talking about. But I guess with territories, again, I keep always saying to reflection as I need keep saying, I'll say this to a lot of wrestling fans, even wrestling fans who forgot. You know, the, the and you know who I'm talking about, TW, the 40-plus-year-old people who kind of forgot where they came from in terms of watching it. You know, the tribalism was always there with the tr- territories, but the territories was better because the territories had legacy, had history, had, you know, had a culture. What you're talking about in your 90s, you had the, you know, independence. Spachos. And, spachos. And, and, you know, and, and I'm not disrespecting what you did. You worked your ass off. For, you know, Los Rudos, you worked your ass off to go from Michigan to Warren to Ohio to Kentucky. You did what you had to do. You grind. But, yeah, you're just grinding for the Indies. And there's a difference between grinding for the Indies and grinding for the territories. And like I said, no disrespect. It's just a different sector. I I say this. (coughs) 
I like the idea of the territories, but they could never work now. So no, if Vince won't. wouldn't it, have put them out of business, the internet would have. So it yeah. didn't. It didn't even matter, you know. Cable, it's, it's, cable put them out of business. I, you could say. Well, that's I meant internet in general. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the word I should have used is technology. Mm-hmm. Um, technology was going to get them because the beauty of it was, and again, I don't know. A, a territory wrestler was was legit the life of a gypsy. You were never going to own anything, and mm-hmm. the day you bought a house was the day you started a promotion and ran it because you didn't want to leave that town because you would literally wrestle somewhere for maybe a year, mm-hmm. and then you'd lose a loser lease town match, and then you'd go to some other territory and wrestle, and they did trade agreements. There were no contracts, but you're like, hey, like right now, Perfect example. All these guys are getting released. Let's hypothetically say guys aren't getting released. They're just being loaned to AEW, right? Like, hey, we got no, nothing for Keith Lee. We got nothing for Black. We got nothing for for uh, Daniel Bryan. Here, take them. But they would also give them the AEW guys if they're not using. And I'm sure there are guys. I just don't know who they Joey, are. Because- Joey Janela, Sonny Kiss ain't being used, or right. Brian Joey Cage. Janela's a name. He was one of the first guys that come out there at the press conference mm-hmm. where Jericho come out. I, I don't think I've ever... I've seen him on TV once, I think. And then the other time I thought it was him, it wasn't even him. It was the guy who goes out with... Who's the guy you make fun of all the time? Uh, Q... Q... QT Marshall? QT Marshall. The guy that looks like a fatter Michael Hayes and mm-hmm. Oliver Humperdinck had a baby. That guy. He lost a hair match. Had his head shaved. I thought that was Joey Janela, but that's oh, a different boy. dude, mm-hmm. right? So, I can't so there's plenty that, of guys that could have said, here, you take these guys, and we'll take those guys. It, the world would be a much better place if they did that, right? You would always be able to spice and stuff up. And to be fair, to be fair, no, not to be fair, but to ask a fair question, why do they have to be in competition with each other? Just how is it a bad thing if both are successful? I can answer it. They're not really? running the same town on the same day. They're I, not I on can... the same night. True, but I, I'll say this. The boys and the girls love to work with each other, hence why they love the word forbidden door. But the problem is the people supplying the paychecks. The upper management, TW, it's the same thing like, you know, radio. You can't, you know, all the DJs love each other. They can party. They can go to the clubs and party with each other. But you got station managers. You got network sponsors. They want all the money, all the bread. So Vince McMahon wants all the money. Tony Khan wants all the money. So Tony Khan, the only thing Tony Khan can do to for to offset what Vince McMahon's, you know, dominance can do is say to their wrestlers, hey, Joey Janela, you know, you could wrestle on Saturdays, you know, right. at this place at here the bingo and there, hall. at the bingo hall and <coughs> make your money. And he and Tony Khan can say, Miro, have your Twitch. We don't want any of your money. Be free. Do what you got. Adam Cole, you do your Twitch. Be free. Do what you want to do. As long as Wednesdays, you come to work for us. As long as it's Friday, you come to work for us. And when we have a pay-per-view, you come back, work for us. That is a good mind fuck for all these yeah. wrestlers right now because – Vince McMahon is running a corporation. Tony Khan is rustling, is running a hustle like a carny. And you got to give respect to Tony Khan's hustle there. And now let's go back to ICWTW, International Championship Wrestling. That was that was run by, from 78 to 84 by Angelo Poffel. 
you know, Hall of Fame wrestler and all that stuff. Past 84. This episode was February of 85. No, no. This is, but it's still under the ICW banner name. It was just running, you know, its obligations on television. Uh, it actually merged at, in 85 with Memphis. So Memphis gotcha. dissolved it, but took the name from it, too. So the idea of ICW for Angelo Poffo is no different than what Fritz Von Erich did for World Class Championship Wrestling. He was going to be the figurehead, you know, the owner of this company, the outlaw wrestling promotion, TW. And he had two sons, Randy Poffo, who everybody knows as Macho Man Randy Savage, and Leaping Lanny Poffo. That was his, you know, two guys that he could depend on. His sons, of course. His Von Erics. His Von Erics. So, you know, for that, that time period of 78 to 84 TW, I'm sure that Randy Savage and Lanny Poffa were multiple-time ICW heavyweight champions. So, you know, it was built around them. That was the formula TW. You know, pow and the funny thing is when Hulkamania was starting to ramp up, in AWA, and of course, it got bigger because it was in the WWF under the Vince McMahon umbrella. There was something called Poffomania, and that was Randy Savage and Lanny Poffo. So TW, you know, again, we can we can understand why it didn't work and why Memphis had to either buy them out. We we already talked about the litigation, this you know, all the lawsuits that was against uh, ICW. So that was the only one reason that you know ICW went out of business because of that. But, but TW, you know, let's do a comparison. I mean, again, there was a little bit better uh, financial structure with world class. But, again, you talked about the Von Eric thing. So you got two sons here, Randy Savage, Lanny Poffo. And then on the other side of Texas, you got Kerry, Kevin, Mike, David, Chris, uh, Lance. Even, Lance. Though he was, <laughs> even though he wasn't a Von Eric, but anyway. Chris. But TW, I guess it's the numbers game because the Von Erichs had more options than the Poffles. What say you about the, you know, the comparisons of, you know, entrusting your kids to, you know, run this business? Well, it's just, it's just like Dusty would have done the same thing if his kids were old enough back then. Um, you, it, it's it, people call it nepotism, but I call it uh, faith. You know, because mm-hmm. lots of guys will bolt on you. Mm-hmm. You know. I was thinking about it the other day. Uh, Medusa threw that woman's title belt in the garbage on Nitro. And I, then I, it dawned on me. The, the other day, this dawned on me for the first time ever. That was a receipt. Because guess what happened before that? Ric Flair came on WWF TV with the big gold belt. Mm-hmm. And they bleeped it out, but everybody knew it was that belt. They didn't disrespect it. But they took a belt that was on WCW's television and brought it and put it on WWE television. So when Medusa did what she did, oh, it, it bothered me. It's one of the things that made me adamant that I was 1,000% pulling for the WWE to win the war um, mm-hmm. because it was disrespectful. But in hindsight, they brought their belt on WWE first. So... Mm-hmm. Down there, you know Randy isn't going to take his dad's title belt and show up in Memphis with it and throw it in a garbage can. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of guys down there, I will say this, it, it was more than just having his options. By 85, I think David's gone. Mike's a shell of himself. Chris yeah. is a baby still. So you really only got Kerry and Kevin. Um, and at the end of the day, 
they're more established. The ICW isn't. So that's probably why they call themselves international. When you said that, I was going to make a joke saying, yeah, but they only wrestle in Missouri, you know. But then you're telling me they're wrestling in, in Minnesota. They're wrestling in Kentucky. They're wrestling in Memphis. So they at least spread their wings. It still wasn't international, you know. But um, I, I like, like, you know, just like the uh, Mid-South changed its name to Universal to make it sound bigger, even though they didn't ever love the Mid-South, you know, until they got bought out. But. So the, the deck was stacked against Angelo from the get-go. So he has to rely on his sons. He has to because all it would take is be putting that belt on Ronnie Garvin and Ronnie Garvin saying, eh, I'm going to NWA and just vacating it. Because that you right. can't have that. You can't have a series of guys winning your belt and then just leaving and not dropping it because then it just mm-hmm. looks dumb. Um, yeah, the, and you the can old, have phantom the title changes saying you could say, hey – Ronnie Garvin lost the belt to this guy uh, Thursday night in Poughkeepsie, you know, and mm-hmm. people in Poughkeepsie be like, huh? But you don't have to say a town that's in on it. You could just say some Portland, Oregon, because the Internet wasn't around yet. So who's going to catch you for lying? Who's yeah, going to tech- know Rio de Janeiro never happened? Nobody. Technology didn't kill ICW just yet because you couldn't find, you know, you could say all that stuff. You can make that excuse about, right. you know, Ronnie Garvin, if he chose to, well, if he chose to leave for the NWA, he could have just left on his own accord. But then you you say these this phantom town and this phantom booking that somebody beat Ronnie Garvin for the belt or he, no cameras were present. And no cameras were present. It was a, it was a, it was a night that you couldn't forget. But we didn't have the cameras. It wasn't working. Whatever. But anyway, I just wanted to give the the credence of ICW its history and its legacy. Of course, again, it was about the Papos. It was about Savage. It was about Lanny Papo. The funny thing, TW, is before we even talk about this show, it's going to be a quick show reflection. I mean, we're going to talk about the matches that we saw here. It wasn't really that much of a of a, I'm going to call it a head scratcher episode, TW, because it kind of confused me. But anyway, I'll talk about it a little bit later. But let's talk about the 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 pillars of ICW and where they went. We already know what Macho Man Randy's. We could see the untapped potential, potential of Macho yeah. Man Randy Savage, the way his presence, the the voice, the charisma, the charm. But we let's talk about leaping Landy Poffa because it it kind of is really spooky to me. That in Memphis, in Kentucky, in these organizations, going up against Jerry Lawl, and of course, you know, Powerful Mania went against the Rock and Roll Express in Memphis, and you know, they had some great wars with the Rock and Roll Express. But when Lanny Papa goes to WWF during Vince McMahon's, you know, you know, purge of, of all the of the great talent, Randy went up into the next level. But Lanny Poffo, until the genius character came around in, let's say, late 88, early 89, we didn't see that potential with, with Lanny Poffo. Why didn't, why didn't, in your opinion, it didn't click with Lanny Poffo in the WWF? Besides the charisma. Uh, because you can see him in the ring. You can see these matches. He, 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 he held his own. He was a stiff motherfucker and all that stuff. What say you, T.W.? Uh, it's funny you say that because this episode that we watched, February 85, first of all, I can't believe no one didn't want us to talk about it. Miss Elizabeth has got to be in the Guinness Book of World Records for the fastest intro to a match ever. <laughs> it was like Micro Machines commercials. Let's get to the ring right now. Thank you very much. I'm Liz Roulette. You know, so, wait, wait, wait. You, you know what's funny? 
Elizabeth, in this segment, in this episode, in 85, talked more than she ever did in the first five years in WWF. That's the funniest thing. But go ahead. So, but if you, if you look at it, like, like for one, when I watch, when this first match starts, it's exotic Adrian Adrian Street versus Macho Man Randy Savage. And I think he was called Macho Man Randy Savage. Yes. And both of them look like stars, but ironically, this looked like a video some of my matches it's just it's crude it's one camera it, mm-hmm. it ends up being more than one camera but i mean when it first starts right. it's one camera it's this dirty ass canvas ring that's probably had eight million matches on it never got clean everyone's just waiting their turn to get a staff infection one light like actually and it looked cr- like the mid-south coliseum if, if i'm being right. honest because but, we hear but, lance russell but in macho the man and adrian street if either one of them show up in 94 in a in a MTW show or a CWF show or a Great Lakes show, okay. they would have looked like stars. And and I will say, this is going to sound terrible, but Lanny Poffel always came across as very effeminate to me, right? Like light in the loafers type, right? Like and it, and it wasn't like he was working a gimmick. He, he just his fluidity in the ring. It seemed like he always had his hands going up and one foot. That like, grandioso kind of look. Right. Like yeah. there, and it worked as a genius because it came off as pompous. As Lanny Poffo, it came across as fruitist dudes and the dudes. Right. So, <laughs> but he, he, A, didn't have a look. And it's amazing because they look so much alike. But he looked a little more bloated, whereas Macho Man looked a little more in shape even though they were mm-hmm. both big, and I think Lanny was bigger than Macho Man, but, you know, muscular or whatever. And I guess I was reading something about Lanny Poffo did, like, uh, a cycle or two, and Hogan was like, damn, because he was all jacked up, and then he stopped doing it or whatever. Um, but anyhow, you could look at Macho Man and see a star, and you could look at Lanny Poffo and see a jobber. And, and, like, even though he was being put over and was winning, he still looked like a jobber. And, and I said this many times. Every match we watch on this show, besides Macho Man vs. Agent Street, the Dirty White Boys versus the Interns, the whoever the other two dudes are that took on uh, oh, the... Hold up, I got the card, I got the card. The, I got... The Beach Dreamers, Daydreamers. The, the Daydreamers against Jerry Bryan and Johnny Wilhot. I couldn't tell who the jobbers were. Because mm-hmm. Southern Wrestling, all the WWE, the circus all you want, Southern Wrestling, there were no bells and whistles. Other than Ric Flair. And it's funny because as we say that, as I'm talking right now, it's funny to me how the critique was always, it's a circus, we're a sport. Yet Ric Flair came out with the most outlandish robes. Dusty Rhodes came out with some outlandish costumes, right? And then Rock and Roll Express dressed like rock bands, right? Or mm-hmm. rock bands started dressing like them. I don't know what came first, the chicken but, or the but egg. That's not, but that's but not the circus. point is. But that's not circus. That's showmanship. It's exactly. And that's what WWE was, was showmanship. But mm-hmm. then you got guys like uh, Bill Dundee. Come on. Is it, are you surprised in hindsight in 2021 that that guy never did anything in WWE other than being a manager? Because he was a good talker, but he was mm-hmm. nothing to look at. Ronnie Garvin, I'm stunned they ever signed him to WWF. <laughs> and I loved him. I loved mm-hmm. him. I bought into him in NWA. I won, He won the world title in Detroit in the first ever NWA show at Cobo Hall in my life. He won the title there. I, put us on I the see, news. ICW champion, too. Go ahead. Right. But, but if you look, I, I'm looking at Dirty White Boy going, is that the same guy? Like, he's in better shape here? But looks worse somehow. I don't. He looked like the fifth Boondock. 
Like, yeah, he did. I didn't even realize it. I'm like, which one of these dudes is Tony White Boy? And then I was like, oh, there he is, because he looks like a cracked out Toby Keith, right? Which is hard mm-hmm. to do, because Toby Keith looks like a cracked out Toby Keith. But there, right. there just wasn't, there wasn't the, no pun intended, there wasn't the pomp and circumstance other than Macho Man and Adrian Street. Everyone else literally looked like a guy to a kid our age in 1985. I'm, I'm 12. You're, you're nine. Already in the ring, and you could pick anybody on that show, not name Monster Man or Adrian Street, and and that would be the guy waiting to get his ass beat by King Kong Bundy and get a five count. So Lanny didn't have the look, Monster Man did, but the second Lanny got a gimmick, to the moon, Mm -hmm. to the moon, and he was, you couldn't be asked to be with a better guy, Mr. Perfect. Right. I liked Lanny Popo. I was happy that he finally got some success, but the reality is he was always successful. He just wasn't over if for mm-hmm. lack of but that dude was making money you can bet your ass he was making money because there ain't right. too many jobbers you remember their name every time you see him like oh there's lenny popo you know you you knew him you knew louis Piccoli, you knew Bo- barry hardy you knew uh barry harwitz barry i meant to say barry horowitz and then i was gonna say barry hardy but mm-hmm. barry hardy and greenberg what or what's his name gilberg gilberg Dwayne gill and barry hardy were jobber tag team. They were always on there losing to the Rockers or the Heart Foundation or whatever. Those mm-hmm. guys made money. Frankie Thumper Lancaster down in WCW. Also, Canyon was a jobber before he became Mortis and then became, you know, a contract guy. But Lenny Popple just, he didn't have it until they gave him a character. And, and he ran with it. Yeah. I, again, like you, like I'm trying to say here for all the reflection, I, you know, go on YouTube and really look for Randy and Lanny Poffo matches in Mid-South wrestling. Because, again, Lanny is more aggressive. He's more methodical. Again, hanging with your big brother, of course, you're going to be a little bit more, you know, with a little swagger. But, you know, it's a different presentation. And, again, just like you said, in WWF, he did those little poetry stuff. He throws the Frisbee. He's a little bit effeminate as a good guy. But then the genius, you're right. I think the word you said was, you know, pomp and circumstance. Genius was pomp and circumstance. And it it just fit the gimmick right there. So let's get into this. And again, ICW television from February of 85. But these matches were taped in January of 1985. And again, Memphis dissolved ICW. And there was nothing left of ICW in terms of value, TW, except for Poffomania. So before we even get into Randy Savage against Adrian Steve, because that was actually the best match of this whole show, because of, like you said, it was two names, two stars, two stars. You're right. But TW, you talked about a little bit. Liz Hewlett is the host of ICW television. It's the lovely Miss Elizabeth, you know, God rest her soul and all that stuff. But yeah, the funny thing is, T.W., you know, Macho Man must have, you know, did you see the dark side, you know, with Macho Man and, and Liz? You know, the, the love started there in ICW. So, you know, <coughs> if, if anything, ICW brought together these two lovebirds together. So, T.W., I mean, Elizabeth, you know, the, how many women hosts were there in in wrestling in the Bonnie mid-80s? and the list. There was not that many. You can count on your hand. Bonnie Blackstone and Miss Elizabeth were probably the only women hosts. Missy Hyatt, could you call her a host? Maybe I'll give you that. She had segments. She She had Bonnie Blackstone hosted. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. She hosted Global and then went and hosted WCW for a minute. So 
So she there's not that. Ma- so like, like you said, there's a difference between Missy Hyatt's segments and hosts. Miss Elizabeth was a host. Bonnie Blackstone was a host. So TW, I they mean, were like Craig DeGeorge or or Sean Mooney introducing. Like, right. not challenge. Oh, yeah, I guess they introduced challenge, and then they went to the commentators for the matches. So, T.W., let me ask you this hypothetical question here. You know, Miss Elizabeth, again, when you're when Vince McMahon is going to sign Macho Man Randy Savage, Lanny Poffo, I'm sure Macho Man had leverage. He had stroke to say, if you want me to come with Vince, you got to take Liz. And you got to do something with her. I mean, the stars aligned TW that Vince McMahon said, you know what? She could be my valet. She could be a valet, and she could be a pivotal role in the in the world of the WWF and in the world of professional wrestling. Because again, by mid '80s, you had Missy Hyatt as a manager, you had uh, Dark Journey as a manager, you had Precious as Baby a valet. Down. Baby doll, that Jezebel, baby doll. Vince didn't really go into that mold of having the valets, so he he had that. So I don't know if the and she was part. the opposite because she wasn't the mouthpiece. Right, she legit was eye candy. But Most she of these here. women she were shit here. talkers for guys who couldn't talk. Right, dark so, journey was with missing link. Right, so let me ask you this. Uh, you got Miss Elizabeth from SummerSlam 88. I was there when she tore off the dress, and, you know, I was 11 years old and saying I you saw were there? booty. I was there, and I saw her booty. Dude, that was the best she's ever looked, man. Look, at there it is right there. Mm-hmm. The itsy-bitsy beanie-weenie bikini, brother. So let me ask you this hypothetical question. If Vince McMahon brought her in on the, on the, on the mouth of Macho Man Randy Savage, because, again, that was a leverage, you could say. We can understand that. If Vince McMahon said you host, like let's say superstars, or you host wrestling challenge, and don't have any involvement with Macho Man Randy Savage, would Macho Man Randy Savage's career skyrocket to where it is even today as we talk about him? What say you? I don't think it would have because one of the things that I think gets a baby face over huge is being a heel first. Mm-hmm. Good old Martin Lawrence movie, Thin Line Between Love and Hate. We hate the people that we really want to love. Right. We hate him, and we hate him. And one of the things that made him so hateable was using her as a human shield and disrespecting her and commanding her to hold the rope. I I would think that same gimmick would get over huge today. And Magnus, is that his name? Magnus? Uh, Nick Aldis, you're talking about? Nick Aldis. Mm -hmm. He kind of did that with that that blonde that was with him on NWA power where Camille, you don't need to talk to her. Camille. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to talk to her. Like he did that. He did all the talking and didn't let her talk. So a garnered sympathy for her. But but the difference is she was more jacked than Miss Elizabeth. No, no, I know that I'm saying that's the closest to Macho Man and Elizabeth, you know, that that you have modern day because Mm -hmm. every girl's just as trash talking as every guy. Like Britt Baker is one of the dudes. If we're being honest, right. But mm-hmm. if you had a just a girl who was with a guy and you didn't let her talk and you you basically oppressed her, right? For lack of a better term, you, it would a make her a star, and mm-hmm. inevitably when the day came, can can you you know what? It's funny because I've always my favorite WrestleMania moment is Eddie and, and Benoit that that 
is just it. And my other one is the warrior coming out to save Hogan. The third one, and I think it's everyone's, is when Liz came out and saved Monster Man from Scary Sherry after losing to the warrior. That hug. That hug, that right there, if Monster Man had never turned good before then, would have made him the most over baby face there. Because A, it's your love story. It's two people finally getting back together. He would have treated her better from that point on and did. That's what got him reinstated and made him, you know, the mm-hmm. good guy champion or whatever um, with Flair. But it, it, Macho Man needed to be hated that much in order to be loved as much as he inevitably was loved because mm-hmm. he stopped doing the things that made him hateable. Right. Okay. So who's he going to do that to? Fuji? You would, you would love it. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. No, seriously. If he disrespected who, uh, Fuji, Heenan, Blassie, Hart, Hart he, they would have loved it. Mm-hmm. it, 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 would, he, it would, they would have never not hated him. I mean, right. you know, they would have never not loved him or whatever. So I think him doing thing. what he did to Liz is what inevitably made him endearing when he stopped doing it. It took him to another level. And that was the ingenious when he wasn't out of touch of Vincent Kennedy McMahon, <laughs> as I've heard Travis. today, that he's out of touch. Oh, well, I guess you're right. Travis, did, did he? You know what's so I, funny? Let me ask you a question. He's so out of touch that every single guy, I just said this to Matt and Travis yesterday. I go, the WWE released 82 wrestlers this year, and AD, AEW signed 107 of them. So he must be doing something right. <laughs> If the second he lets go of somebody, AEW takes him. Because don't tell me uh, Dean Ambrose. Don't tell me Miro. I don't even know Rusev is what I like to call him, but I've seen him enough as Miro. I call him that. Don't tell me these guys would be as over if they didn't spend the time in WWE that they did first. No, because you know who you know who Dean Ambrose is if he doesn't go to WWF first? Joey Janela. Because they would have just signed him straight out of that backyard wrestling psycho death match garbage mm-hmm. and he would have just been another guy there but because he's a former wwe world champion he's somebody right so hey, i'm not knocking what tony khan does it's business you go no, after the I'm wwe guy that's I'm been released either. i'm asking the question to all the bozos who keep saying that vince is lost touch they said that for the last 15 years yet the shield happened in the last 15 years nexus happened in the last CM Punk la- happened in the last 15 years. Daniel Bryan, are you telling me their star isn't bigger because of Vince McMahon? Because if you think it isn't, you're wrong. Not you. Hey, the people who I, say I, this. I know. I and hate, the I next hate. guy they let go, I don't I don't even know who Cross is until he's on NXT. I've seen him on Impact here and there. But now mm-hmm. whatever comes to him, he's probably not going to Impact. That, no, he ain't going to Impact, but he's probably also not going to AEW. I hate to be the spoiler to people because he left on some very shitty terms when he left in the first place. He, he's going. He's so. going to ML. He, I think he's going to MLW. That's the way. Yeah, I, MLW I or or NWA or whatever. The he's going to AAA Ring of Honor if it comes back. He has. He didn't burn Bridge in Impact. He imploded it. It's not even repairable. He scorched it. He scorched it. And it involved a guy who's now on AEW, which is Don Callis. He's not going to either place. And if he does, there's going to be some serious come-to-Jesus moments with some people getting together and burying some hatches. There's harm. You know, somebody has to break that harmony in AEW, and that could be Killer Cross. But anyway, let's get into this. No, it's Brian Cage and his girlfriend, or his wife, whatever the hell she is. That too. (laughs) But let's get into this 
quick episode of ICW here from February 1985. I think this is from the Mid-South Coliseum. Like I said, they, you know, absorb all of the ICW rights. And, of course, what bigger rights are than Randy Savage and Landy Poffo? So you talked about it here, T.W., the first match we had Randy Savage against the exotic one, Adrian Street. And, yeah, the funny thing about Adrian Street is, like, you know, he probably might have wrestled in WWF, like, in the, not on television, but in the territory kind of things. Like, if WWF was touring across the country, Adrian Street probably was on one of those dark matches or whatever. But He was, he was on uh, primetime wrestling more than once when I was a kid. I've seen but, him. But, but that's back claim, when you weren't contract. Right. But that again, that's what I'm saying. But his claim to fame is being in the NWA territories, in the Mid-South territories. And Adrian Street, the funny thing to me is he would have been perfect for the rock and wrestling era. He would have been perfect for the WWF right. MTV era. So, TW, when you look at this match, of course, the hero here is Randy Savage because it's Poffo Mania going wild. So, you know, it's not about originality, TW, but they know that Randy Savage and ICW – really, like, put all their eggs in the Randy Savage Poffomania basket, and you can understand that. He had the look, he had the charisma, and, of course, he had the uh, athletic abilities. You know, he could go off the top rope with his elbow. What say you about this match? Because, of again, this ended in a double countout, so, you know, it protected exotic Adrian Street, but, of course, everything was about Randy Savage and being the hero that he is, you know, and, of course, there was, you know, Adrian C had his valet, on the again another valet so it worked for linda you know, linda the valet for she's, linda, she's pretty famous man i'll tell you what street and linda are pretty famous for really never being anywhere for very long as far as big time right like mm -hmm. he was in wcw for a minute he was in wwe here and there but he, they never stuck around whether it's because they were hard to deal with or whatever the case but they always were together too mm -hmm. and i remember i want to say adrian street was global um, but I remember when he wasn't dialed up like that, where he was just normal, like mm -hmm. he was trying a different gimmick, whatever, or like kind of Mick Foley wasn't going to do hardcore and ECW kind of thing. But but there's another thing. So Macho Man gets introduced. I could barely hear the audio on any of this, but they introduced him at 245 pounds. And something that guy did, one, one word I would use to describe Macho Man is cat-like, Right. Right. Way ahead of his time. Uh, I'm not sure how much bigger Mike Awesome is than Macho Man. I know he's taller. I just don't know weight-wise. Maybe 50 pounds? He, so, two, 295. Okay, so so 50 pounds because he was 245. Mm -hmm. So Mike Awesome doing moonsaults and topes and uh, one and a half. Well, didn't he do the suicide thing? Ironic. Mm -hmm. The suicide press. Mm -hmm. What's that thing called? The shooting star. Yeah. It's not suicide. Shooting star. <laughs> suicide dives through the ropes. But anyways... Him doing all that is clearly he's ahead of his time, and I don't even know that there's even guys doing that. Maybe Jindrat, um, Damian Priest. I don't even know if they're 300 pounds, though. They're just tall. Um, but Mantra Man at 245 is doing stuff. I don't that... believe it. I don't believe he's 245. I think it was 225, right. and they, well, okay. they added the, the weight. To be fair, to be fair, if he's not really 245, the guys they say are 210 aren't really 210 either. They're 180 because I'm one of them. I was 185, and billing myself as 210, 207, actually, was what I wrestled as, until I actually weighed 207, then I said I was 220-something. Mm -hmm. But anyway, this dude starts this match off from the inside of the ring, does the old corner tope, 
mm-hmm. to the floor. They always did Ring that. Apron <laughs> to the floor and never missed a stick. It's like Astro on the treadmill on the Jetsons. His mm-hmm. feet are going in the air before he even lands so that when he lands on the ground, he lands running and chasing Adrian Street around the ring. And it's like, this dude is so agile. Like, it's probably, I, I, I think I think Macho Man was right with God in the end. I think he had found God. If, if we do have an afterlife and it's a place of joy and bliss, mm-hmm. he's probably glad he died when he did because his body was going to be in some pain at 70 because that dude's hips, that dude's knees, that dude's elbows. I know it at 48 how mine feel, and I didn't wrestle 300 nights a year. I wrestled 100. At best, you, you know the fun, the funniest thing when you say that he was at the he was technically body wise the healthiest he ever was. It was just his heart gave out. He had a heart attack. No, 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 no. I understand that. Yeah, that doesn't mean your joints don't hurt. You can be healthy all you want. No, but I never hurt. heard. I never heard of the joint thing. Like you're talking right. about, made no neck. But that's what I, I mean. But he was only no arthritis. Three was he? Yeah, Fifty three like, when he died. I think so. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember the the exact. Age. So, like I said, if I, if I average two matches a week, then I wrestled 104 matches a year in my mm-hmm. peak, and right. my body feels like this. So, imagine doing it 300 nights a year for a solid 10, and then mm-hmm. doing whatever he did for the next 20. Uh, so, dude, that coming off the top rope to the floor and landing on your feet doesn't just hurt your ankles. It hurts your knees. It hurts your hips. Probably your spine. Uh, mm-hmm. But the dude. I, I want to say, like, it's funny because, like, he's not on my Mount Rushmore. He's somewhere around here, though. I got a couple different Macho Man figures. Um, well, I put him up top. He's there, and, and they're right there, dead center. But anyways, he's always going to be one of my favorites. But it's kind of like like when people ask me who my favorite country singer is. I'm not going to say George Drake because it ain't fair. He should be everybody's favorite country singer. So it's different guys so that I can give them the rub, right? You know? Willie. Willie. So <laughs> so Brett, Sean are the two I wanted to be. Warrior, Sting are the two that I wanted to cheer for my entire life. Macho Man was both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to be Macho Man, but I also wanted to cheer for him. And I think what stops him from being on my Mount Rushmore is the Slim Jim look that he had for the last 10 years of his career. It was just terrible. If he would have kept that damn look that he had with the, the pink tights, the yellow knee pads, yellow boots, and the purple robe, and the big glasses, and the bandana, untouchable. He's probably number one. But that damn but that, space but that, cowboy but that Slim Jim slip, Macho Man, no good. But that Slim Jim money made me, you know, made me want to eat Slim Jims because of him. Macho Man was the reason Slim Jim was on the map for people. For This is jerky. not a good look. It's not. It's terrible. It is a good look. You're being <laughs> you're being biased. I think you like the look of here of 1985 with the Macho Man short tights and the stars. I understand where you are with that, dude. CM Punk wearing a spoof of that outfit made me like CM Punk. He also wore pink and black like Bret Hart. There was a time mm-hmm. I wanted to like Bret Hart, or I do like Bret Hart. There was a time I wanted to like CM Punk because he has the same heroes as me: Macho Man, Bret, mm-hmm. probably Sean. Um, but that version of Macho Man, I think, watered him down. Much like this version of Ric Flair running around mm-hmm. is stopping him from ever being in my Mount Rushmore because it's almost, it's just, it's not the same. No guy. one, no one could be perfect, TW. <laughs> Everybody makes their choices, you could say. And let's put a bow on this match. I, we don't have to talk about what happened in this match. Like I said, it was a double count out. That's a good look. That's the that's the mid-80s look of Macho Man, mm-hmm. Randy Savage, before he turned into the Macho King. 
Not a good look. Not a good look? I'm dying. I know. The the (coughs) nurse. See, COVID is real. That's why I keep telling you, Reflection Eyes. Get the shot. Get the vax. Get the vax. I'm telling you right now. TW is showing you why you should get the vax. But anyway, TW, let's put a bow on this. We can understand why this match ended in a double countout between Randy Savage and Adrian Street because Adrian Street is not there in the territories. He moves around. So Adrian Street is protecting his image, his likeness. And, of course, if he wants to come back to the Mid-South area, he didn't lose. So he can always come back fresh. What say you, TW? Put a bow on this business Was Adrian champ? Uh, in his history, of course, he was a champ somewhere in the territories. No, in this match, because it's so no. pixelated, and no, I think what this does match. is, even though this is TV, it still has that feel of primetime wrestling, where you knew it wasn't a show. Mm-hmm. Superstars felt like a show, even though we know now, years later, it was just edited to look like a show. That those matches could have came from five different nights in five right. different towns, right? But. Okay. Because I used to ask myself all the time when Superstars was on, I'm like, why would anyone pay to go see that when they're telling you that they're coming to New Jersey tonight with Hogan versus Savage? Why would you want to watch Hogan versus Rad Radford? Or, no, Savage versus Rad Radford and Hogan getting interviewed. Like, I'd rather Mm -hmm. spend my money to go to watch the main event. But what they did was they just had jobber matches at live events and then mm-hmm. made a TV show out of it. But I didn't know that. Primetime Wrestling, though, was like, hey, let's take you to the Boston Garden. And they made you feel like it was happening right now, even though it wasn't. And then you would watch, uh, who was that guy? The Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty, Russell mm-hmm. Tito Santana, right? And it, and you felt like the Duke could win. Like, they made it like a big fight feel. A- anybody let's, let's, fighting my, Iron Mike Sharp, you right. felt like he could win. He could beat. I thought Tito was going to lose Mike Sharp like once a year. I'm like, he's taking him, or at least a draw, and then Tito won with the flying burrito as the credits rolled. I don't know if you ever remember that match. That was Superstars literally the last 20 minutes because they're like, TV time remaining. And at, they're like, all right, this match mm-hmm. is going to end. And then Tito hit the flying burrito and pinned him. I see you next week as he wins the match. But anyways, this made you feel like a live look-in, like, hey, here's a match. So you saw, hey, two big stars going at it. But by having it end the way it ends means what? We're going to have another one. So it protects right. business. Um, if it would have been their last match and then Savage did leave to go to New York and then never came back, not mm-hmm. a good look. Because it leaves people like, wait a minute. That's the Lions and the Steelers tied? What? I'd rather the Lions lose, damn it. But no, <laughs> you know what I mean? you got to have guys like DiBiase lost a one-man gang on his way out. WWF to become the million-dollar man. Jim mm-hmm. Duggan lost. No, actually – Duggan lost to a one-man game in a lose least town match. But you, it's it's business. You put over the next guy on your way out because someone gotcha. put you over on your way in, and that's how you became a star. So if Monster Man was leaving and Adrian Street was staying, Street should have won. He should have won clean. But I think this match ended in such a way that they did wrestle again and probably more than once. And they probably yeah, wrestled every show, every town they wrestled on. They probably had the same damn match. Um I like reading the books. I don't know if you read any of the wrestlers' autobiographies where they do have the same match every night, but they throw curveballs in there to make it fun because otherwise it feels like work. You know, like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. All right, then we're going to go home and go drink some beer. But let's 
but I, I, I like the fact that guys change it up. And then I want to say Brett and Sean, they, they purposely, before their match for that Iron Man match, did house shows and did a different match every night. They challenged, I think it was Brett and Sean that I read that, they challenged themselves to make it different every night so that mm-hmm. that way when they did the Iron Man match, they had all that to draw from, not just the same match and drag it out for an hour. So, And if it's not them, then I just made up a cool story. But I read that somewhere, and I can't well, remember. We know, the, was, we know the reputation of Randy Savage, how meticulous he is with every match. So I'm sure that he was meticulous, even with this match against Adrian Street, even the ending and what to do in this match, because that's one of the Double count out this one was. This was a double counter, but of course, this is probably under the mind, the mind tree of Randy Savage of what he wants to do to get to that point. He writes part A, part B, got to do this to get to this point. You know, you got to get to the, he has like a hundred steps to get to that double counter. So we don't, again, we don't have to go into that. You Great point about the business part of it, because a lot of reflectionites don't understand, especially in the territory days. Like I said, Adrian Street was not, you know. He was not a Memphis guy. He went all across the country and right. he pro- had to protect him. He is no different than Bruiser Brody. He was, no, he was no different than Abdullah the Butcher, where they travel to keep their name fresh, number one, and number two, over, you could say, because they do I, I not- said Piper because he protected himself. Like, he wasn't mm-hmm. going to do anything that would diminish him in right. his efforts to make money somewhere else. So, and now- yeah, that's... And now let, let's put a bow on this. And there was the Southern Tag Team Cow. This is why the, the Memphis dissolved the ICW. Whoever was left within the ICW reigns fought for the Southern Tag Team titles. These were the number one contenders to the NWA or the AWA Tag Team Championships, TW. So this was a territorial championship. And the funny thing here is what I loved about the 80s, TW, Mass wrestlers. You had two matches and you had the daydreamers and you had the interns. Very generic names, but a mask gives them character, gives them separation. They're not the same. You know, it's like the executioner, the invader, the impaler, anybody super X, the machines. This this was professional wrestling. And back then I hated it. But now in 2020, wonder with everybody that there's like 10 guys that weigh 195 pounds that could do shooting star presses. The AEW guys are going to kick your ass. You keep going. I don't, I don't give a damn. <laughs> PW Hustle, P-R-O-F is my Twitter. Come at me if you don't like what I'm saying. But anyway, TW, again, there's 20 guys in AEW that are 185 pounds that can do flips and dips and dives and do do dives. But if you put but if you put half of them in a mask, it's different. They're different. You know, even though I don't like the guy named, you know, an AEW named Fuego, he has a mask on. At least that protects him. He's different. He's the guy that won a car. Yes, he won a car. But any you get what I'm saying? He's different. He has a mask on, but he's different than all the other people who are the same. And it's the same thing here. You got the daydreamers and you got the interns. Bad names. For masked men, no matter what. I, I like daydreamers because but they shouldn't have been masked. That that <laughs> daydreamers wait. would work like like Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos when they were bleach blonde. No, wait, that wait, would have been a cool. Whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay. Hypothetically, 
Los Rudos with mask on. You want to put, call yourself the Daydreamers? No. I'm saying that's a good name mm-hmm. for mask. Like, it's almost heel cocky. Like, okay. two bleach blonde guys like Mike oh, Enos okay, and Wayne okay. Bloom would be the Daydreamers. Like, mm-hmm. you're daydreaming about me. You know, that not, not the other <laughs> way around, right? Well, that's um, funny. But know this already but for the the 13 reflectionites there's a reason why there's so many masks in the 80s mm-hmm. and there's a lot to do with payroll and i thought it was very clever to call some of the interns because i guarantee you those two fat bastards were also getting coffee picking people up at airports doing this mm-hmm. that and the other thing and they probably put the masks on them so that no one did know who they were so that they were training them and building them up to be something else you have them do jobs until they're ready and you protect them. Also the daydreamer guys, they did have blonde hair underneath those masks. So I wouldn't doubt if they were somebody somewhere else who maybe shouldn't have been wrestling for the outlaw promotion, they're hiding their identity so that they don't get heat from Memphis or Minneapolis or, or world-class or whatnot. But also the other rule in wrestling back then was no tattoos because here's the, here's what I mean by payroll. A guy with a mask, more than likely, in the 80s, was doing double duty. Perfect example, Danny Davis was a referee. He was also Mr. X doing jobs. And then he became the, the heel referee that wrestled. He was already mm-hmm. a wrestler. He was Mr. X. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had guys uh, like <laughs> Shanghai Pier and Tex Monroe were the Godwins. I didn't even know that until recently. So it's almost like... Travis can give me shit because he literally didn't know Doom was Ron Simmons and Butch Reed until they oh unmasked. And I'm like, I don't believe you. I'm like, I don't believe no him either. part of me that he's dead serious. But in my defense about Tex Monroe and Shanghai Pierce, why would I even think they were the Godwins? Because didn't they come there separate? Wasn't it? No, they were the, the Texas fr- Hangman in AWA and WCW. Then they came. That was them too? Yes. This Hangman were Shanghai Pierce and Tex Monroe? Yes. What? I did not know that. I thought they were the hangmen in both places. Mm-mm. Oh, wow. So I'll say mind blown. Them. But anyways, you didn't have tattoos because if you had a tattoo, if they put a mask on you, everyone would know who you are because you got the Brahma Bull on your arm. They would know you were the same guy wrestling twice. So back then, you would have a, a roster of 10 guys, and everyone had potential to wrestle twice if you just threw a mask on them. So... Mm-hmm. Obviously, guys like Lawler aren't going to wrestle twice, but you know what I mean. The undercard, they're going to wrestle twice. There was a guarantee. Is a guarantee in this match? The Daydreamers and the interns were not the same people. That was a guarantee sure. on that one. For sure, for sure. That's why I said <laughs> the, the the interns are like a couple gorilla monsoon looking guys. They were probably just a couple J Brones who ran, you know, pickup in to and from the airport. They were lackeys, and then they got in the ring and did jobs while they were training. And then the other two, I think, were actual. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them was Jack Victory. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them was, uh, I don't know, if Johnny Ace was around back then. I was actually pretty stunned to see Dirty White Boy in 85 because, I mean, 85 ain't that far off from 87, 88 when I first saw who he was. But he Mm -hmm. looked so different there that you're just like, whoa. Because he's Mm -hmm. T.L. Hopper, right? Dirty White Boy's T.L. Hopper? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was growing up in the business, you could say. But the. The one thing, and then we'll talk about the, the Poffomania match and then end, end it with a bow, but in the southern wrestling territories, the masked men were not jobbers. They were actually, you know, they were part of the crew. They were part of the, the bad factions. Like Jimmy Hart, of course, in, in Mid-South area, the, the Hart family, the assassins, 
one of the greatest mass tag teams the ever. Punisher. The Punisher and all that stuff. So mass men were not jobbers. They were actually kick-ass people. So it wasn't like the WWF. The, the WWF mass people, they were jobbers. Nine out of ten of them were jobbers. Interns and daydreamers were jobbers, dude. Don't get they yourself. Won their <laughs> they won their match. They're not jobbers. They both won? Yes. Yes. The white boy won his match. No, oh, they both won their matches. The interns wow. won with the help of Jim, of Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. I'll give you this. They could, they should have lost, but again, that was a good story. I, I swear to you, I thought I saw Dirty White Boy win. Didn't win. Trust me. <laughs> That's why I'm saying in the southern parts, masked okay. men are not jobbers. WWF, besides the machine. They won. They keep besides, after the match. Yeah, they can't, because they were pissed. They lost. Okay, that's why. I, <laughs> I, I, I do. I can barely see it. It's just YouTube garbage. It was, and, it's grainy. Yeah, I get you. It's grainy, but because I remember, me. I thought Macho Man had lost, but he put his foot on the rope, mm -hmm. and then they went to the double count after that. But the because uh, Linda grabbed his leg after that too. But I swore Dirty White Boy won, and I and then the other two guys who were they that thought that fought they lost to the Daydreamers. <laughs> The daydreamers, Jerry Hewitt and, and somebody, and what the hell is his name? I, so I, they they were job guys. Jerry Bryan and Johnny Hewitt, Willett, lost to the daydreamers. Yes. So, the, but it gets to my point that the Southern the interns won. Yes, they did. Saint <laughs> TW, this is why I'm the professor, and what I'm saying is gold. Southern wrestling <laughs> territories, mass men were more. Prevalent in story. Cole Hall too. The executioner scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. He wrestled with the Sheik and Bobo and all them. Right, but in the W in Vince's lore, besides the machines that was un Andre under a mask and maybe the Blue Blazer who got a couple of victories, not many mass men in the WWF lore. Kato were were winners. Yeah, Kato sucked. He was a jobber. That was that was a death trap. Or an Express won tag titles with Sato. Now with they didn't win tag team titles, man. See. <laughs> That's why I'm the professor reflecting. They wrestled action. the Rockers like three Royal Rumbles in a row. Yeah. And Sato, lost all three. And lost all three. That's why they're not successful. But anyway, let's Saito. put a The last uh, tag team, uh, Southern tag team tournament first round match was Pafflemania. Lanny and Randy Savage against Larry Hager and Joe Lightfoot. I guess he was the Native American of the bunch here. And with the help of. And they were Ray faces, weren't they? The, the Pafflos, yeah. Pafflemania no, I thought the, the Pablos were getting booed. I thought that mm -mm. Chiche Strombo knockoff was getting cheered. Remember, remember, ICW TV, whether it was enhanced uh, sound, they were the heroes, no matter what. When they See, that's the funny thing. For, forget this match. They won. Randy Savage hit the elbow. He cheated to win. Heels over strong. I understand what you're talking right. about. Right. <laughs> but the funny thing is they were meant to be heroes. But again, when they went against the Rock and Roll Express, when they went against Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee, they were the heels because Memphis people, like you said, Southern Southern people are dumb. They're susceptible. <laughs> they're sheep. So, T.W., put this on a bow and close it out for us with Landy Powell and Randy Savage winning. Again, it, it's kind of predictable because this is their baby. This is their company, whatever's left, and they have to win this first-round match. What say you? I just, I'm still reeling over the fact that the two mass teams won. Um, <laughs> and I didn't fall. I fell asleep during Macho Man and Adrian Street, and I rewound it. But I didn't fall asleep for the rest of it. But, um, uh, well, 
I, I'll tell you what, man. Part of me watching stuff like that, it, it reminds me of UWF, right? Like, if I watch UWF now, it's not going to be what it was to me in 1987. It's going to be garbage, right, for lack right. of a better term. But, like, we're watching it as a spot show. There's really no angles being run here. They do talk about some stuff. But when you watch this every week, you know what time it is, for lack of a better term, right? You know who's who, what's what, and why they're doing what they're doing. So mm-hmm. to watch it, it's crude. It's this, that, and the other thing. And, again, there's something to be said for technology. If they ran these same shows today with better technology, it would be light years better. But it's still good wrestling. It's still southern wrestling. Like, everything in it is, you know, stiff, nice and snug. I think I would have done way better for myself down there than New York. But uh, I just had to get bigger. But uh, mm-hmm. I just I, – I, I like seeing, like, Macho Man, like, Ricky Steamboat, career babyface, right? But had different looks along the way. Right. And other than the Slim Jim Macho Man, but it's still Macho Man. You still know it. It's cool to see that Macho Man was the same from day one all the way until he became a commentator, right? Then he became freaking Urban Cowboy. But mm-hmm. it, it just it, – it's like – it's almost like watching Skinny Shack grow up to be Fat Shack but still winning championships all along the way. It's the same guy. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. reinvent the wheel because he didn't have to. And the same can be said for the Rock and Roll Express. Like, they never really change. Yeah, eventually – you got to let him go because that's not in anymore. But he turned heel, became Richard Morton, whatever, when, when Robert's eyes being so far apart, they didn't work anymore, stopped him from wrestling. But I, I, I don't even think Rick, Rick, Ricky Morton even acknowledges that. It's like Halloween. That never happened in his right. canon. And now they're back to doing their thing. And that's the good thing about today. I, I love that. I don't love that the Rock and Roll Express still wrestle because I know the reason they're still wrestling. They didn't save their money. Because if they did, they wouldn't be out there wrestling. And, you know, they do some autograph signings and such things. But I got two words for you. Well, three words. Divorce, child support. That's what it right. was. Yeah, but also not saving your money. Mm-hmm. You know, and but but I love that nostalgia is something that's never going to go away. And, and granted, you and I are older, so nostalgia, we remember when it wasn't nostalgia. But I mm-hmm. like that young people who weren't around for it respect it enough to like it now. Right? And that... Mm-hmm. That also gives credence to, you know, taking the lid off of it and, and ending kayfabe. Because if you don't end kayfabe, there's no way Goldberg's still getting in a ring. There's no way the Rock and Roll Express is still getting the ring and winning mm-hmm. and people taking it serious. It would make wrestling look terrible that the 60-year-old right. people are winning, you know? Um, yeah. But I, I, I like the crudeness of it. I wish I could go back in time and be at one of those shows lives because I bet you... It's 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 something that's once if in a we, lifetime. If, like if we, to be there and to feel yeah. it. It's if probably we, if awesome. we were young. Same thing with we, Memphis, right? I if, bet that's Memphis what I was, was going to talk. Awesome about. to be right. around, and and you know, I know how I felt watching UWF on TV every Sunday. I loved it, man. I was all in, and I and I mean, I honestly believe I was more in for that one year before they got ruined by selling to, to Crockett. That one year that I watched UWF, and I don't even know if it was a full year, but I didn't know it was Mid-South. It was UWF. It was new. It was on Channel 7. I didn't know any of them dudes. Mm -hmm. I might have knew Iceman King Parsons from the magazines, but I didn't know Chris Adams. I didn't know Terry Taylor, DBS. When I saw DBS and Dr. Death, I thought they were the band Alabama because they looked like two of the four dudes (laughs) in Alabama. One-man gang. And and that was a good thing. 
you know, cause, you know what? Everything, it, it, happenstance, fate, may supposed to be whatever the case may be. Um, we knew about wrestlers coming to WWF from magazines. But could you imagine if we watched NWA and WWF at the same time and then saw Rick Rude walk out on WWF? We would lose our shit. Yeah, you know what I mean? We, we, we would be like, would. whoa, Rick Rude's here? Kind of like Nitro did, right? So back then, we only got WWF because we're in the northern part of the country, and they only got NWA. And those sourpuss, silly hillbillies were mad when WWF guys went back there. They're like, fuck you, you traitor. Whereas we were like, hey, who the hell's outlaw Ron Bass? All right, I hope Hogan beats them, and he did. But, but UWF, week to week, man, I didn't miss it. I was all for it. And then right around that time is when I started getting – uh, a channel out of Ann Arbor that I could see it enough that it wasn't shh. And I saw WW, WCW Worldwide, it was called. Um, mm-hmm. When that, it was the, WCW was the brand of the show, not. Well, it was, it was NWA, NWA Worldwide. Yeah. World Championship Wrestling or NWA Worldwide. And mm-hmm. I watched that and then I started getting into those guys and I saw the Road Warriors move because I had only seen them in pictures. Now I'm seeing a move. Actually, I did see him AWA a couple times. But long story short, this stuff's cool, and I love that when we're looking at it, there's 100% no doubt who Macho Man is. There's mm-hmm. no doubt who Adrian Street is. There's no doubt who Lanny Popple is. You know who all three of those guys are, and their whole career they stayed that. Hulk Hogan, too. Even when he was Sterling Golden or whatever his name was, uh, he looked the same, and it's the same guy. Like Whereas... Who's somebody where you raise Ramon? Uh, I didn't know that was Scott Hall at first when he was the Diamond Stud. It took me quite a while to go, holy shit, that's Scott Hall. And obviously I knew Razor Ramon was the Diamond Stud. But mm-hmm. what a difference in his look, which is fine too. And I would say this, if Surfer Sting left NWA, grew his hair out, and debuted in WWF as Crow Sting, the internet would have lost her shit and fucking shit on it and it wouldn't have lasted long. But because he did it in the same promotion, it worked. Mm-hmm. But if he would have done it there and came here as the new one, they would have like, fuck yeah, bring back service thing. Blah, blah. Sorry, Travis, for cussing, but getting tired. <laughs> well, well, the one one thing we can say is we knew we don't know who the hell the daydreamers or the interns were. And with that being said, we close on this episodic episode of the PWR podcast here at the PWR Networks at Podbeam.com. And TW, please give out those socials that we can get out of here. All righty. So we are hosted. Obviously, we talked about <clears throat> our good men and women over at the Big Vito brand. So that's BigVitoBrand.Wixsite.com, Patreon.com, backslash the Big Vito brand. <clears throat> also, the Pro Wrestling Coalition Network is pwc network at podbean.com our shows at pw reflection uh jb since i mentioned you at the p1 jb is his twitter handle travis i mentioned you too at nuts and bolts pw good man big ray can't do none of this without it he was so confused because we didn't do a show last week (laughs) made the thumbnail and everything but at big ray hernandez then you got me at tommy wonder 19 is both instagram and my political ranting twitter um, also, Snapchat is number wonder, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder, and at the Tommy Wonder for pop culture stuff and all that kind of stuff. Dum Dum Duel and an Idiot is the YouTube page. And um, by the time this airs on Sunday, three days ago, the Dum Dum Duel and an Idiot 
and Detroit Red Wing Stanley Cup winning champion number 18 Grindline Kirk Maltby is doing mm-hmm. the one chip challenge with us at a fundraiser. He's also we're doing a shot of Pink Whitney with a hockey stick with all four of us. And he's he's serving drinks all night for a charity for you know good causes and and so hopefully that goes on without a hitch or I talked about something that didn't happen. But it's supposed to happen in two days, but three days ago by the time this airs. Well, we hope it goes out. We hope while we say, I'm going to say this because I can tell the future. It went off without a hitch and you didn't throw up. That's all I will say on this one. And and again, again for Noel Lagrasso, her, her Twitter is Magic T Spiller. I just want to put her uh, Twitter handle out there. So send her your prayers. Get well wishes. Some get well wishes. And get hopefully, well, you know, everything goes out, goes well for her, Noel. Thank you always for showing love and support of the PWR podcast. And of course, mine is PWR, so P-R-O-F, that's PWR, so prof. And of course, follow my guys, my brothers in arms, uh, Eight Track Brown, the king of the reactions at Eight Track Dastardly, and of course, the man with documents, Billy Ray Valentine, the host of the Infinite Fringe, at Obi-Wan, you know me. And when this episode drops on the PWL so networks tw i might be going to brooklyn for a wwe survivor series show so i don't know i guess i might i don't know i can't tell the future <laughs> i might i might say this travis i had fun at wwe survivor series so i'm i'm telling my own future right now but with that i don't know what we're gonna do next week we're gonna, we're gonna go episodic we might do uwf might do awa might go back to ecw wcw Maybe we might do GWF. We might do World Class USWA. Who knows? Reflection Nights. Who knows? I'll keep you on your toes. I I made you watch this, and you was not happy. If I get a Continental, <laughs> you gonna you you gonna. Hey get, man, that's where that's where you, Marty and Sean met. You find it. You find <laughs> it. Please, you find the episode that you Dare love. I, I dare you to find Continental, and you you do that for me, TW. But anyway, I'm the pro- professor. That's Mr. Wonderful. That's Mr. Iron Stomach One, the man who will beat up that Detroit Ringworks guy if he doesn't eat that one chip. TW, Tommy Wonder to Version say, two. Version two, saying good night, and we will see you next time here at the PWL Survivors at Podbeam.com. Good night, Reflection Nights. Oh, yeah. Dig it. Dig it, brother.